0: You are listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Praise the Lord. So many babies and little ones dedicated to Jesus this morning. Do any of you remember getting dedicated to the Lord when you were a kid? I don't remember getting dedicated, but I remember getting baptized. It's really, it's a good thing. It's important. Little things matter, you know. Something something as seemingly insignificant as gathering your kids and giving them dedication certificates and praying over their lives is so important It's so important To give the things that we treasure The people that we treasure the most Over to the Lord, amen That's the safest place for your kids In the hands of the Lord It is the most dangerous place But it is also the safest place So My, my message today It's called Christ is the wisdom that you need and I am still getting over Ashley Pell's message from last week. Okay? So, if you haven't heard that message, please go get on our podcast or our website and watch that message. I actually, when, when she was giving it, I was feeling like it was an actual word from the Lord specifically to our church. I felt like the... The Spirit was drawing us into something. So, I've actually been thinking about her message all week. And uh, because, personally, it was significantly meaningful to me. I You know, this is what I think. I think you should always go to church. You should always listen to preaching. Um, you know, you... You can't remember what you had for dinner three years ago on a Thursday night, but that meal still fed you, right? You don't skip spaghetti night because it might not be exactly memorable. You still eat it because you need nutrients, right? I can remember every taco night I've ever had in my life. (laughs) I have had so many taco nights. There's this ongoing... Uh, Amen in our family Where we eat tacos and we go We look at each other and we say I could literally never get tired of this You know what I'm talking about with tacos Like I never get tired of tacos What is that? That must be like Manna. No, no, they got tired of Manna. Tacos you can't get Tired of. When you're eating tacos You don't ask God for something else It's like It's the fulfillment of all revelation Anyways That's how I felt about Ashley's message last week so so here's why Ashley's message felt very meaningful to me because sometimes I think that I'm not qualified to do the things that God has called me to do anybody know what I'm talking about sometimes I think that because I can't see clearly that I must be in the wrong place sometimes I think that because things are difficult then something must be wrong you know what I'm talking about but actually, she lowered the boom on us all when she said, and I quote, You've been trying to follow Jesus, and you have been c- confused because of how dark everything seems. So you've been asking Jesus, why is everything so dark? I can hardly see. But the truth is that God has set up everything and done everything he can to get you to this dark place because you are the light of the world. Oh man, that was so good. I, fi- I practically fell out of my chair when she said that. It was. I-, I just felt like a reframing coming into my mind with those words. It was a powerful exhortation. But what she was giving us was a better perspective of hard times, right? So... When she was speaking, I felt the Holy Spirit's weighty glory on that word. And I felt like that word was personally for myself and for my family, but I also felt it was important for our church. Queen City Church, I want you to know this. We, despite how you might feel, despite how things seem, we are in good hands. All right? The Holy Spirit has led us to this place, and you can rest assured That it doesn't matter if your life feels disjointed or troubled. God is at work in your life and in our lives together as a church. So, as we all know, these last few years have been rather disconcerting. But God's aim has always remained true. This is the work that he is always working on. And we can see it in 1 Corinthians 8, 9. It says this. God will also keep you firm to the end. So that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. What is God faithful to do? To call you into fellowship. This is what God's doing. Have you ever woken up in the morning and said, I wonder what God is doing? God is calling or has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus. What what God is doing right now is he's keeping you firm. God is working in your life right now. He's keeping you steady in an unsteady world. And what has he called you into? Into fellowship with his son. Does it matter. That you don't feel firm. Does it matter that you don't feel steady. No it does not. God's work is not dependent. Upon the way that you feel. God's faithfulness. Has no reliance. Upon your feelings. At the current moment. But what does it mean. That God has called us into fellowship with his son. Well, fellowship means companionship. It means closeness. It means togetherness. It means solidarity. Have you ever thought of yourself as standing or living in solidarity with Jesus? That's what it, that's what it means to be in fellowship with him. And 1 John four seventeen says this. In this world, we live like Jesus. Other translations say, as he is in the world, so are we. As Christ is in the world, or as Christ was in the world, so are we. This is why Jesus could say, I am the light of the world. And then he turned to all those unbelieving rascals and said, you are the light of the world. That's what Ashley was reminding of us. So let me say this. I think there's been some confusion about what Christianity might be. Christianity is not you just agreeing with a proposition that somebody made somewhere. That's not what it is. Christianity is not a math equation that you see and understand and then give mental assent to. Christianity is not a theological framework that saves you when you finally understand it sufficiently. To be a disciple or a follower of Jesus means that you know him, that you adore him, and that you walk in his ways. And Jesus walked through a dark world, and we will too. We need to make room in our lives to walk in a dark world. What do I mean by that? Well, we are often so busy working on the project of living our best lives now that we forget to walk the way of Jesus. We forget to bring our light into the darkness that we're walking in. The thing about walking in darkness... On purpose is that it is costly. It will cost you something. Walking through the world doesn't always immediately benefit us. And this is why we don't always do it. But I think that following Jesus will often mean that we surrender our need to always feel firm and steady. To always demand the shining light of clarity. And that we give ourselves to the foolish work of sowing light into our world even when it is to our own detriment. 1 Corinthians says that the message of the cross is foolishness. What is the message of the cross? What does it mean that our God was hung on a Roman tree and died? Volumes upon volumes have been written exploring the implications of the cross. But I think for us today here at Queen City, there are specific applications of this to the year 2022. And Christ is the wisdom that we need. It's so funny. I'm looking down at my notes and it says, Chris is the wisdom that we need. And he is some of the wisdom that we need. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. This is prophetic, obviously. (laughs) But I believe that God has allowed us to be challenged in many different ways in these last few years. And as disconcerting and difficult as these past few years have been, I do believe that the redemptive purposes of God are embedded in all that has occurred. But still, what we have all faced has been very hard, and for the most part, we were caught off guard. I don't know if you remember this, but I think it was right at the beginning of 2020. uh, I I think actually Kobe Bryant had... Tragically, he and his daughter tragically died in um, that helicopter accident. And I remember Robin had this word for the church, where we didn't know what was coming in the in the coming years with the pandemic and and all of the stuff surrounding the riots and and all the issues surrounding politics. But the word that Robin gave us was that there was there we were entering in a in a time where we didn't know what was going on. Nobody, we were all looking around for wisdom. We were all looking for some voice to tell us what was happening. But all of the voices of wisdom were silent or they were saying things that just weren't connecting dots for us. I think if we can agree on one thing, it's that there was a confusion that was upon the entire nation, if not the world. And that confusion included the church. We have to admit that, y'all. We have to confess that. Like, we didn't have the necessary wisdom for that moment to get us through unscathed. Right? <clears throat> So we've been searching for wisdom in all of this season of being caught off guard. And the problem that has arisen is that none of us could agree on what the best wisdom is. There was a lot of wisdom going around, but none of us could be found in agreement for what the best wisdom to move forward was. Which is interesting because we live in the wisest of ages, We have the most intellectual power that the world has ever seen. The world now has the most computational technological wisdom in history. This is known as the information age. Isn't that crazy? With the amount of information that we have attained, we failed to find the wisdom that we needed to get through unscathed. So what has been revealed to us is that all of our wisdom and all of our knowledge is bankrupt without the Lord. All of our combined wisdom of the world has not been able to keep us and keep our hearts failing from fear. Let me ask you an honest question. In the last two or three years, have you felt an intensity in the fear that you have felt. I know I have. It's been like a plague. It's been, that plague has been worse than the plague. So what we have been witnessing in this season. In the world and in our own lives. Has been a confrontation. Between the wisdom of the wise. And the foolishness of God. There's been a confrontation between the wisdom of the age and the foolishness of God. And actually, when you really think about it, the bankruptcy that we feel with the wisdom that we have is actually a gift to us, and it's meant to lead us to Jesus. The weakness that you have felt And the lack of wisdom that you have felt in this season is actually a gift to you. And it is calling you into the wisdom and the way of Christ. 1 Corinthians says this. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God found in Christ is wiser than the wisest of plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So how does that apply for us? How does that apply to us walking in this moment? Well, I believe this is a year for us to invest heavily in our friendship with Christ to invest more heavily this year than you did last year in your companionship, in your solidarity, in your fellowship, in your friendship with Christ Jesus. I believe this year for us as a church is a year to invest heavily in walking the ways of Jesus. You know, a lot of times we hear about the ways of Jesus, but, but doing them is one thing, and then hearing about them in a sermon is another. But I feel like the Spirit is drawing us, like Ashley said, to shining light in the darkness that God has led us into, purposefully. And and investing heavily in the ways of Jesus will mean that we have to leave behind we have to leave behind some of the wisdom of the world that we have been operating in. So we need to make room in our lives for the wisdom of Christ. I have been, don't, don't take this as me um, patting myself on the back. I've been reading my Bible a lot more lately. And it's, uh, it's been interesting because I don't always enjoy it. I think it's dangerous to tell people to read their Bible because it feels really good all of the time. A lot of the times when you read the scripture, it confronts your life. And confrontation's not always easy and it's not always fun. But what's happened to me in giving myself to the word, the ways of Jesus are making their way into my heart. But I want to I want to give you some practical application for this. These are, these are three things for our church that I want us to zone in on on this year. Okay, and the first the first thing is this. I want you to I want you to know this. I want you to take this into your life. Make room in your life for mystical experiences with God. Make room in your life to have experiences with God. Too much of our Christian lives are dry. We're just kind of going through these motions of getting up, going to work, going to church on Sundays occasionally, you know, trying to be Christians. And it's like, There's a part of our body, there's a part of our soul and mind that is missing the fuller life that God means for his people to live in. And these experiences, these mystical encounters with God are one of the ways that the wisdom of God makes its way to us. But we don't often have experiences with God because we're so busy doing Something else. We're so busy having other experiences. Which are fine. Other experiences are fine. You should have as many other experiences as you can. But making room in your life for God. Is really important in this moment that we're in. I want to tell you this. Miracles happen. They don't always happen. But the miracles of God are breaking forth in the world. G.K. Chesterton said this. The the incredible thing about miracles is that they happen. (laughs) You should just stick that in your file. Mystical experiences with your God include miracles happening in your life. Here's another thing. Pray in your weakness. Don't wait to be strong to pray. I think a lot of us are waiting for inspiration. The artist Chuck Close said this, inspiration is for amateurs. Pros get up and do work. The same is true for the spiritual life. God is wanting to meet with you, but you have to go over to that place and focus your attention and say words to the one who created you and then stop talking and start listening and the one who created you will talk back. Jesus did this. He was a man of mystical experiences. He would often go to the wilderness to pray with the Father. Jesus had an expectation of experiences with God. He was very busy in his life, but he constantly chose to go to a place to be with God. Prayer is not just reading your bucket list to God. Prayer is not self-actualization. Prayer is not a transitory conduit for getting things from God. Prayer is spending time with the one who made you. The foolish wisdom of Jesus is that counter to the busyness of life. He chose to spend time with God and that is a way That we can walk in the wisdom of God too. The wisdom of the world says never stop. The wisdom of the age says keep going. The the wisdom of the world says produce, produce, produce. And the wisdom of Christ says stop. Go to the wilderness. Say some meager words to your God. And let him talk back to you. And then listen. It's as simple as that. Don't wait for fireworks. The next thing that I feel like we should be doing this year is this. The first one was make room for mystical experiences with God, the second one is make room in your life to see past the surface. Make room in your life to see through what is on the surface. Make room in your life to see beyond what the world is putting on the outside. Let me, let me flesh that out for you just a little bit. Here's the thing. True wisdom does not assess reality by outward appearances only. The wisdom of Christ does not assess reality by outward appearances only. The wisdom of the world thrives on judging things according to what is seen on the surface. It is very expedient and it is a useful way of looking at the world. But, but it's a trap. Here's why it's a trap. Politics is a surface view. Politics is an outward view. And it's being used to tempt us away from the wisdom of Christ and join in a futile argument that is meant to rob you from receiving the resources of heaven that God is desperately trying to get to you. The world of politics wants you to adhere to a wisdom that is different than the one Jesus lived by. Don't take the bait. Let me ask you this. Can you see who a person is beyond what their politics are? Can you see past the surface of a person's projected politics? That is your call as a Christian, to see past the things that people are saying outwardly into the person that they actually are. Jesus is trying to get us to not judge people according to the traps that other people have fallen into. Does that make sense? Politics is a shallow wisdom, but it's the one that's being sold to us. Politics is a well full of bitter water, this is crazy what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, here's what I did. I have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Paul said, I have stopped judging people using the evaluation methods of the world. Man. Man. That's radical Christianity. That's radical following of Jesus. if If you're a liberal and you walk into a room full of Trump people, you don't see any Trump signs. You only see people. If you're a conservative and you love Alex Jones or whoever it is, and you walk into a room full of liberals, all you see is people. All you see is people loved by Jesus. And you're not judging anything on the surface, but you're seeing through all of those surface things into what really is. Am I making sense this morning? This means that we no longer judge people according to the evaluation mechanisms used by this world. So free yourself from Fox News and Newsmax and CNN and MSNBC and Joe Rogan and Alex Jones. Free yourself from all of that stuff and go spend time on the podcast on the mountain with Jesus. You know, you know why we're so confused by Jesus is because he doesn't use as many words as Joe Rogan. No, truly, we are addicted to the river of noise that is coming out of the world. That's why we're so mystified by God, because he chooses his words carefully. God puts so much stock in words that he chooses them carefully, because he knows how powerful they are. Discipleship is key, y'all. We cannot look like Jesus if we listen to Tucker Carlson more than we listen to the man Christ Jesus. I promise you, Tucker Carlson and Jesus Christ are not saying the same things. Whoever the liberal version of that is, I don't know who they are. I would make fun of them right now. My point is, you have, have to connect to the main line, y'all. And I'm not going to deny that Jesus doesn't have politics. I think the politics of Jesus are very real. But I'm so intrigued by the fact that no matter where somebody sits on the political spectrum... Everybody is using Jesus flipping over the tables for their political cause. It's like the flipping over the tables in the temple scene is like the ultimate Rorschach test. Everybody claims that story for their political agenda and nobody ever applies it to their own actual life. Because it's so much easier to do business in the political realm than it is to do business in your own life. It is so much easier to argue with people on Facebook than it is to go spend time in the wilderness with the Holy Spirit. God is trying to develop different muscles in his people. He's trying to develop different instincts in us. We're not not immediately drawn away into futile arguments of the age. You know, the thing about it is this. If you stop seeing strictly on the surface of things and you show up in a room full of people that are discussing politics and you just say, well, I don't know about anything that you all are saying, you will take hits over that because the spirit of the age demands that you pick a side. It backs you in a corner and guess who will not negotiate with Pharisees or liars or people on Newsmax. His name is Jesus Christ. He will not be backed into a corner. I, I really hope I'm not offending that many people in here this morning. <clears throat> but may the Spirit heal you in your wounds this morning. Andy, Andy, they will tell you what their realities are and demand you pick one. Yes. Who says they know? Who says they know? Who, says they know? Who tells mm. us? Mm, come on come on yes so if you're taking notes follow Christ and give yourself to prayer and listen to what he has to say to you he will teach you to see with eyes that are not afflicted by the conventional wisdom of this age that is the gift that he wants to give us in this season y'all So my third and final thing that I want to give y'all is this. The first one was make room in your life for mystical experiences with God. The second one was make room in your life to see past the surface. And the third one was make room in your life for giving up your life. Make room in your life for giving up your life. Your life is not about preservation. Your life is about giving your life away. I think in a lot of versions of, of, of Christianity, that all of the self-actualization, all of the living your best life now theology that has made its way into the church has robbed us of the great privilege of giving our lives away. And I think we need to make a course correction We don't follow Christ so that we can have an ideal life. We don't follow Jesus so we can live a cultivated, idealized life that nobody can live up to. We follow Christ because he is the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. And from him and to him and through him are all things. This is why we follow after him. Not for what he can do for us. Although he may do many things. But we follow him. Because he has dominion in our lives. You know, you won't follow this God if he stops answering your prayers when you need him to answer your prayers. But guess what? When you follow Jesus, he's not going to do everything by your timeline. So if you don't know about him, that he is the lamb slain before the foundations of the world, go find that out. Go find that out, that he is the express image of the unseen God. This is an old riff now, but I think I should say it anyways. Do you want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know how God acts? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know what God thinks? Do you, know, you want to know what he believes? What is Jesus doing? That's what God is doing. Where do you find out what Jesus is doing? In the Bible. The Bible is not a bad word. It's not a book that's hard to understand. I take that back. It is very hard to understand. But there are parts of it that you can walk up to and understand. Start there. And then let him really freak you out and mystify it for you. But that's the journey for you. That's the journey that you get to go on with Jesus. Don't let the deconstructors deconstruct your faith. Let Jesus do it. He'll do it. He'll take your bad theology and fix it for you. I had some bad theology last week in Ashley Pell and the Spirit of God. Help me. Did I happen to say last week that we need way more women preachers than we have? Oh, let it be, Lord. Let the women rise and lead us. Whew. Don't shout me down over that one, y'all. <laughs> My goodness, y'all got quiet on that. Bunch of reformed people in here. We believe in women in leadership. We believe in women pastors. We believe in women prophets. We believe in women bishops. The New Testament is full of them. I promise you they are. You cannot win an argument with me on that. So make room in your life for giving up your life. We follow Christ because he is the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Because God is God, he is by nature hard for us to understand. He is mysterious to us. You could say that God is busy mystifying us. Why does God allow us to be mystified? Because a God you can fully understand is no God at all. Because it is when we are mystified by God that we receive the gift of getting to walk by faith. Of giving ourselves up for someone with no guarantee of a return on investment. This is the fellowship with Christ Which God has called us into. The wisdom of the cross is a mystery to us. It makes no sense that the path to the victorious life is through giving up our lives. But that's how it is. It's a mistake to think that the cross is just something that we get to comprehend and believe in. No, we see clearly now. We see our calling now. And our calling is the wisdom of the cross. God has given us his blessing to follow in his wisdom and in his ways. And we lay hold of that wisdom. We lay hold of the wisdom of Christ By giving our lives to living the way of Jesus. The way of the cross. And as affluent American Christians, we must become aware that this is only something that happens through an active life of discipleship. So walking with Jesus in solidarity in the ways that he walked in is kind of just a lifelong thing that we're doing. And I would and I would tell you this, there are highs and there are lows associated with it. In the same way that you have highs and lows, In the other relationships that you have in your life. If you're married, you know that it's not always easy. But when it's good, it's really good. In your relationship with your parents, you know that it's not always easy. And with your friends, sometimes there's tension. Sometimes there's awkwardness. Sometimes there's a lot of misunderstanding. But you don't give up on that relationship because things get hard. You stay with it because you know that that person is precious. And that's what it is to walk with Jesus. We're finding out more and more how precious Jesus is. And that's what keeps us walking with him through the very many different Ways that life actually is. This year we are going to make room in our lives for experiences with God. For having eyes to see beyond the surface. And to give our lives up for people other than ourselves. The wisdom of God, it seems like foolishness to those who are perishing. But here is what I'm convinced of. God loves those who are perishing in darkness. And they are going to come into contact with your sacrificial life. And they are going to see the glory of God. And they will in turn glorify him. I have been rethinking the project Of introducing people to Jesus. And when I was a kid, I think the people that were older than me were telling me things like pass out tracks, knock on people's doors. Excuse me, do you know our savior Jesus Christ? And you know, somebody slams the door in your face. Or there's another version of a guy standing on a corner with a bullhorn. You got you know all those different tropes, right? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pass out tracts, and I'm not saying if you feel led to go knock on people's doors to tell them about Jesus, I don't know. Who am I to tell you that you shouldn't do that? But I just think that there is a there is a way of you and I walking in solidarity with Christ that is so explosively life-giving and life-affirming that when we decide to walk in the wisdom of Christ by the way of the cross, that when we walk into whatever world that we're walking into, there will be a whole lot of people interested in knowing Jesus. I just believe that. And I think that the church has taken a lot of critique over the last few years. And there's a lot of stuff that we've done wrong over the past hundred years of church history. But I don't want to stop telling people about Jesus because Jesus has done everything for me and he has meant so much to me and he's so precious to me. Why would I withhold that out of fear of not being cool? Why would I withhold that out of a fear of not being relevant? I was on a podcast this week with some friends and we were talking about this cultural phenomenon that's happening right now. So within culture, there was the modern age. And then in the middle of the 20th century, we got to the postmodern age. And and in the modern era, there were guys like Nietzsche who were were observing the world. And they, they were coming up with these theories. One of the theories was God was dead. He wasn't saying that as he wanted God to be dead. He was saying that people were depending more on empiricism and rationalism than they were on religious belief. And he said that it would have dire consequences on the world when that happened. And when he said that, he said it as a devout atheist. Okay? And so what happens is, in the 20th century, we had the death of God, we had two world wars, we had the Vietnam War, we had the atomic bomb, we had the Cold War... We had the golden age of secularism. But what's happening right now is that the same disenchantment that's been going on with Christianity for the last hundred years is all of a sudden happening to secularism. Secularism is being deconstructed right now. People are seeing That the the experiment, these grand experiments of living life without God, without a God, are failing. The promises that were given to people in these experiments of these utopias that would arise, they, they have proven themselves to be bankrupt. And I believe that we are entering into an age right now where people are more hungry to hear about God than ever before. So you may feel like an old crusty Christian, you don't got a testimony, you're just limping along, your life's in shambles, you don't know how to pray, you don't know if the whole power of the Holy Spirit is real, and all this stuff the guy on the stage every Sunday doesn't make any sense at all. If that's where you are, I'm telling you, you're in the best place possible, because the world is primed, because they've been living through 150 years of unbelief. And you can only live without belief in a God for so long before you go absolutely crazy. In the 70s, we saw it. All of these young people were hearing about Jesus and they came, they came to Christ in hundreds of thousands and thousands and thousands. And I really, I feel like we're being primed for that, y'all. But it's not going to come because we're fancy, because we have a smoke machine, because the worship team is good, because the preacher is good. It's because there's a small little church on Presley Road full of people who actually want to be followers of Jesus. And the wisdom that they're engaging with is, is primarily the cross. It's making your life look cruciform. When we follow Jesus into surrendering our rights, into surrendering our resources, into surrendering our opinions, into surrendering our hopes and our dreams for the sake of another. Then the kingdom of God stops being an abstract theory. And through the co-laboring of the people of God with the Holy Spirit real concrete actual blessing comes into the lives of the people that we're walking among it may take some time it may be difficult but it will be worth it y'all and christ is worth it he is worth all of it there was a there was a woman here last week. Her name is Amy. I don't know if y'all have heard Amy. Whenever Amy's in the service, it's so good to preach when Amy is in the room. Um, she she wears a hat. She's African American lady with glasses. But um, she, I've I've interacted with her three times. Amy and I have interacted. Amy Squires and I have interacted with her twice. But Amy and I, we were just, Amy Squires and I were just working through some things and um, Amy comes over and every time she gets around, it's like the Holy Ghost just starts spilling out of her and she'll she'll lay hands. She started prophesying over my children last week after church. Everybody had left the building and then the glory of God came because she starts prophesying over my kids. It was incredible. But she said this thing to me. I was saying, Amy, you know, I'm no good at this. I just want to quit. In fact, and I'm not talking about this or this. I'm just talking about my life in general. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like you just feel like in your life, you just don't have any more strength. You're just going to quit. And and Amy Squires and I are being real honest with her. We're full disclosure. Like we just want to quit. That's what we're, that's our plan for the future. And she goes, oh, Lord, what you going to do? What you going to do if you quit? There's nothing else to quit. There's nothing else to do if you quit. What else are you going to do if you give up on Jesus now? Where else are you going to go? There's no other project to work on. You can work on the project of pleasure. It will last you six weeks. It will be good for six weeks and then you must find something else. That's the great thing about following Jesus. It's so hard. But it will it will take you for the rest of your life. If you live 99 years, it will take you the whole way. You know, I meet all these people who are turning 65 and things just get really depressed because they have to retire at that point. Who wants to retire? Like, how much golf can a person play? But if you are tracking with the Holy Spirit, if you are living with Jesus... I'm not even saying you have to be a weird evangelical type. I'm saying live your life in authentic relationship with the living God who created you, and He will draw you into a life that, man, it'll be so much worse than you imagined, but way better yet still. That is the paradox of walking with Christ, y'all. It's super dark at times. And we're going, Jesus, where are you? It's so dark. And Jesus did everything in his power to get you to this dark place. Because what he has invested in you is so eternally precious. And he means it for you. He means it for your family. And he means it for the people that you're walking among. Amen? Let's stand up together. Let's stand up together. It's, oh, it's 1217. I repent. I apologize. I'm so sorry. I don't repent. That was a good message. Okay. Here's what we haven't done lately. We haven't had ministry music. So I'm going to ask some, some ministry music people to come up here and strum some guitars because what we want to do. Okay. So. We we want to put our money where our mouth is, right? We want, We don't want to talk about having experiences with God. We want to have experiences with God. We want to set aside moments of being with God. And we're already here in the building. So we could like take five more minutes and be with God. Amen. So what I want to do is I want to invite the prayer team up here. Jesse, Kim, or whoever your people are, if you are on the prayer team and you want to pray for people today, I want you to come up to this front stage area. And if you want to be prayed for, you are in the right place because we believe this. We believe in the word of prophecy. If you need encouragement, if you need a word of direction, these people can pray over you. They can, they can help you. They, they won't have all the help you need, but they have some of the help that you need. If you need a download from heaven, if you need to be healed from something, physical or otherwise, come see these folks up here. And, and listen. Let's do this. Raise your hand if you wanted to quit lately bunch of quitters. (laughs) Woo, two hands up. Yes, yes. We're all in this together, y'all. But we're like Peter. We're like Jesus. Where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to go? Man, Pentecostals like to use the word anointing, so I'm going to use that word since I'm a Pentecostal. I feel an anointing right now. I feel an anointing for people who want to give up. And you maybe have felt disqualified, checked out, discouraged. Uh, I don't even care. Maybe you have sin in your life. Who doesn't? God can handle all of that stuff. But I believe that there is a power in the silent presence of Jesus that is present right now to bring healing and restoration to broken places in our lives. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.